giant robot smashing into other giant robots. Thanks everybody for joining. We're glad that you're here. If you've tuned in before, great, welcome back. Uh, you're probably familiar with ThoughtBot. If you're not, we're a product design and development consultancy that helps make you and your team and your product successful. We are currently running the second session of our incubator program, which is an eight-week program that takes you through a lot of different activities and exercises to help you identify market and product opportunities, experiment with them, and um, ideally come up with a solution that you can move forward with. I'm Dawn. I'm a managing director here at ThoughtBot, and I lead a team that works with very early stage products and founders and companies. And I'll hand it over to Jordan. I'm Jordan Bonds, and I'm uh, the director of product strategy on Dawn's team and am kind of the, I don't know what, founder in residence for the incubator, trying to bring my experience as a former founder to bear for our participants, in this case, Ashley. Okay, my name is Ashley Schubel. I'm the CEO and founder of Avid First and have been working with Jordan and a great team in the second incubator session. So removing all bias from the statement I'm about to say, but if anybody's thinking about applying to the next incubator, just do it. It's an amazing experience. You're going to learn so much. There are so many smart, helpful people who really care about building cool products that make a difference. And so do it. I love it. Thanks for the impromptu promo. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> it's good to hear. Yeah, I'm excited. Cool. Well, Ashley, why don't you maybe kick us off with a little bit of a recap of this past two weeks? What have you yeah. been working on? Yeah. So just for a little background, in case anybody hasn't been following along, Avid First is a technology company aimed at simplifying college saving and spending. Our goal is really to make 529 accounts more usable broadly and then more specifically attractive to next-gen consumers. And for those who aren't familiar with 529 plans, that's okay because neither are about 70% of Americans, but essentially they are college savings vehicles, they're investment accounts that allow people to contribute money, the money grows tax-free, and then can be withdrawn tax-free when used for qualified education expenses. And over the past few years, the term qualified education expense has really expanded from beyond just tuition and fees to room and board on and off campus computers, technologies, supplies, apprenticeships, K through 12, like the list is getting longer and longer. And so our goal is just to really help simplify a really complex system and savings vehicle to make them more appealing and attractive to people. So the past few weeks, specifically, we have been aggregating all the data from our user interviews. We've done a lot of user interviews with different stakeholders and have been taking the information and saying, okay, what do we do next? How do we validate the way we're thinking about solving this problem will actually solve the problem in the way that we think it will? And so through lots of process mapping, brainstorming different pilot initiatives, and then now working through some of the nuances of the industry. The 529 industry specifically is a complex animal. I don't really know how else to explain it. It's very complex. And so we are just navigating those complexities and looking for solutions that will truly simplify the complex. I would just dig in a little bit to that analysis of the interviews that we've been conducting. That analysis kind of like stepped up a notch in the last week in a really fun way where we, the team, 
really kind of dug into the dynamics of each interview, sort of the things that we're most curious about um, and have been asking and really like scored each interview and then did an sort of a cohort analysis, like where are the trends with which personas? We had already had some intuitions and we just wanted to confirm with the data that we weren't deluding ourselves about what the direction was. So that was a really, like, I think it was a really useful exercise and kind of fun to see. And it, what doing that helps with is our own conviction, but then it also helps us make sure that we are honing who we're talking to going forward. Talking to folks is like so critical and is so not scalable. It is so time consuming. <laughs> so you want to make sure that you're doing it really strategically. So it's sort of like every wave of interviews we do, we do a little more analysis. And it's like, we finally got to a critical number where we felt like doing this data pass was going to be statistically significant. We had enough interviews to really focus the interviews we're going to do going forward. So just to give a little like lens into how that's worked and how we've been thinking about it. I think we asked this question often, maybe every time, but uh, I'm interested to see how, how it continues to evolve. But what was something... Uh, that you learned these past two weeks that really surprised you or you maybe even confirmed your hunches? So as often happens when you start talking to a focus group of people who share a lot of pain points in their lives or their work, you end up with like a lot of trends. Like you're, there might be a, a thing you're asking them about that you're particularly focused on or curious about and you want to focus your questions on that, but invariably you're talking to a human being and they're going to talk about a lot of different things. And so... Early on, I mean, we started interviewing people at the very beginning of this project in August. You know, we were very focused on college savings and spending. But an interesting thing that, like, sort of trend that came up was also how much parents care about imparting, you know, some sense of financial responsibility in their young adults. <laughs> and we were like, well, that's interesting. Okay, let's like keep an eye on that. Maybe that's interesting to us. And um, what has kind of surprised me in the last couple of weeks is how much of that has sort of solidified. This is not like a newsflash, by the way. Like, I think <laughs> this is like a thing. Anyone with teenagers out there is like, duh, like, was this shocking to you? But the way that it ties into college savings and spending, I think we found some really interesting connections and threads there that have only gotten stronger with the specific cohorts that we've been talking to. So I think that we, at first, that started as just this sort of like, well, that's interesting, but we'll see where it goes kind of thing. And now it's like become a little bit more core to how we're thinking about just broadly what folks are facing who we're addressing. So I guess it wasn't like a surprise, but like the deepening of that signal you know, in the sense of signal and noise has been like really interesting to us, I think. There's a system seeking expert that talks about how changes in a field are rarely made by the experts in the field, but rather outsiders looking in. And so for me, that's amazing because I don't have experience as a technology founder. I'm working with others who are founders in the technology space, which is great. But it does leave some question marks for us as it relates to building some processes and doing some pilot mapping, which completely overcomable because we're able to draw on resources from within the ThoughtBot organization and then also just network people within our network. Jordan seems to know everybody. I'll be like, do you know somebody in North Dakota? She's like, actually, yes, my third cousin's sister lives there and I can get her on the phone. And it's just It's my incredible. first cousin. I will tell you, it's my straight up first cousin. Well, there's always someone that Jordan knows, no matter where it seems like, which is extremely helpful when we're trying to find experts to help us answer some questions. So it's great to be able to 
work through problems in a very systematic way using some of the strategies that ThoughtBot has employed, I guess, over and over and can be applied to different industries. But it does help us find what are the questions we still need answered, and then who are the people that can help us answer these questions, be very strategic about that. I would add to that on the networking score. I think this is one of those things that first-time founders often struggle with. They struggle with recognizing who in their network is a valuable person to talk to in the first place. And then they struggle with making those connections because it feels like you're asking people to do stuff for you. And that doesn't always feel great. But really your network and where you come from and the people you know and who care about you are one of your biggest assets going into this work. And it's important to take stock of those folks as early as you can and think about how to involve them. And often they want to be involved. They're excited to have a way to support you and contribute their expertise or whatever else. It's actually really transformed some of my relationships, like family relationships that I didn't necessarily have as people I just discovered in my own sort of extended family who were doing related things to me. And we're much deeper friends now because we get to talk about that stuff all the time. And before I was a founder, we just didn't really talk. (laughs) So just think through who you know and how they might be able to help you. And chances are they really want to. It's a very useful exercise. And it doesn't have to be super transactional. It can be a real bond builder. Yeah, I would say that's completely true, especially from my own experience. I don't like to ask people for help generally. And so asking people for their time and for their advice, I'm like, oh my gosh, why are they going to give this to me? What can I do for them? But it's really been amazing how generous people are with their knowledge and insight and their time. I'm attending a conference next week for the 529 industry. And there have been so many helpful, kind people who are just experts in their field, leaders in their companies, and are willing to talk to me about their experiences, about what challenges they see. Because ultimately, you know, when a company succeeds and helps the industry grow, everybody grows and benefits from that. So I hadn't really looked at it that way until Jordan really encouraged me to just be like, just call that person or just, you know, reach out. And sure enough, they were more than willing to be helpful. I imagine there's a sort of bit of human factor here in that, you know, what you're giving to them is an opportunity for them to share like something that's like deeply important to them. And that probably not a lot of people ask them about even their day-to-day work. So I imagine that can feel good too. And maybe even sort of help them better understand like what it is they're doing. So you've definitely sunk into who to talk to What about the how? Like, what are y'all doing now to try to continue validating that this is the right opportunity and and that there is a product opportunity there? Yes, they're really drilling down on those two cohorts that we mentioned a little earlier, specifically one of them, making sure that we are asking questions now related to the solution that we are thinking about and more around their experience with similar type of products or similar type of solutions to make sure that we are thinking about building features or building process flows in a way that will integrate into the way they're used to doing things today. So it doesn't seem like a new learning curve to, you know, think about adopting our product. And then also just making sure that we are providing value ultimately, because we don't want to just build something just to build something that we think will work for this group of people who told us that something is hard, want to make sure that we are actually making something that's hard much easier than it already is. Yeah, we've really, I mean, to build on that, we've gotten a little bit further into testing messaging, 
which is we think that we understand folks' problems and how they are talking about them, but we really need to validate that. And, you know, we have created some landing pages and are showing them to folks and getting their reactions. But we've also started doing a little bit of prototyping, which we hope to start showing folks soon. And this is all just a prototype in this case, meaning this isn't like a clickable app. This is just like sort of a static design that appears clickable. <laughs> think of it like a PDF with some links in it. And just showing that to folks and saying, you know, what would you do here? How would you respond to this? And it's just a really great way to, it's fast. It's easy to, to spin one of those up and then get them in front of folks and make sure that how we're thinking about this is sort of broadly in the right direction. It's so much cheaper to find out that we're thinking about this wrongly with something like that than with an app that we spent six months building and launching. <laughs> now, who's done that before? Not me. No, never. <laughs> never wasted a year building a thing. So it's a, it's a really fun thing to do. And sometimes you can even, it's not even like, let's validate what we're thinking. Sometimes it's really helpful to actually throw some curveballs in there on purpose to make sure we're invalidating the right things. So it's really fun to be moving into that phase with what we know to be true and really getting closer to testing things out in like a real world situation. It's been surprising to what people are reacting to or not reacting to the things that we thought people would be really excited about. They're like, eh. and the things that we thought are just kind of like filler on the page, like, that's awesome. So it's really crazy to see that juxtaposition. And then you've got some people will be like, huh, it's cool. And then you've got some people who are like, can I sign up right now? And you have to say, we'll let you know when you can, but not right now. Right. Just the differences are pretty surprising. Yeah. And the, I'm glad you brought that up, Ashley, about like the stuff that you just kind of put on the page to make it look like a real page. And then people really zero in on it. There's just so much serendipity involved in this work. And part of the skill in making products is being open to the right things at the right time, right? You want to stay focused on your mission and, and what it is you're trying to accomplish, but you don't want to ignore, you know, if people were reacting really strongly to something that you thought was sort of ancillary, it's important to like take a beat and think about that. How does that fit in? Can we use that? What you want to do is find lightning that you can bottle. And if people are not feeling lightning <laughs> about the primary thing you were working on, but they are about something else, that's totally okay. I mean, the, the recent past of successful applications and software products is littered with stories like that, where people thought they were building one thing and they just consistently heard about this related thing from their users. And they were like, well, why don't we just invest in that? It takes a lot of courage to stare in the face of that signal, the data that you're getting from people and let go of the things that are not working and really embrace the things that are. This reminds me a little bit of the conversation we were having when we were together in New York last week around the focus on validating or invalidating the conversation we were having was kind of trying to shift that away from ideas to assumptions, but this is making me think that it focuses too much on one single thing that you're trying to get an answer for, as opposed to, like you're saying, being open to sort of receiving signals about completely tangential things or things that you may have not been paying attention to before. So that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, now I'm thinking like, should we put even more crazy things on the page and just see what happens? Who knows? I think there's, there's another aspect of this first-time founders often struggle with, which is that feeling that you shouldn't put anything on the page that you're testing that you couldn't actually do. And it's tough. It can feel a little bit like you're misleading people, but there's absolutely ethical ways to do this where you're just, you tell people, hey, this is just an idea. 
we're just trying to get people's gut reactions to this. We have not even put pixel the paper here. We don't even know. We just want to get your reaction. Um, as long as you're transparent with folks about where you're at and about not promising them things you can't actually do. I mean, obviously, if it were as easy as just promising stuff to people that they want, we could just make a landing page that said like free bag of money. Who wants free bag of money, right? And <laughs> people would be like, why is the bag of money free, <laughs> right? Uh, so you really want to be careful and not necessarily do anything that is misleading. But on the other hand, it, there's no better way to get folks emotional reaction than to put something together and just see how they respond to it. So there's a lot of like sort of nuance to doing this. And Don, to your point, the balancing act between being open and being scattered, right? That's a fine line. I've definitely been on teams before that are just like the new hotness every week. Hey, there's this cool app out. Let's just immediately redesign everything to look just like that. And you're like, maybe, <laughs> I don't know if that's like the best idea. So it's a real balancing act, but it always comes back to who you're building for and what they want and need. And if you're staying very focused on that and measuring you know, comparing every idea and thing that comes your way against those, showing it to them and getting their reaction, you can't fail. Keeping no daylight between yourself and your customer, that is the surest path. Yeah, it kind of carries through to the core thing that we're saying, which is don't focus on one thing to validate or invalidate. Be open to receiving signals from other, you know, opportunities but that's not validating or invalidating something. That's showing you where to focus your time. And then the product experiments and feasibility research and all of that is designed to help you to get closer to validation. But in some cases, there's a point at which you have to take a risk, right? And your customers are ultimately going to tell you over time whether or not the solution was the right one. But you, but you get more confidence. You get closer to the right solution the more strategic you are about that process. So. I think the um, great thing about okay. technology too is it's not set in stone. You can change it. If you learn something new, you can modify what you're doing to fit what you're hearing. And I think that's so incredible. We live in a time where there are so many tools and resources out there to really be nimble. And just to Jordan's point earlier, I think the hardest part is being willing to take in some of these signals and be like, okay, this is what they want and being willing to move in that direction versus the path you've already designed in your head. Yeah. We've only got a couple of weeks left in this incubator. <laughs> How are y'all feeling? What are you planning? What are you looking forward to over the next couple of weeks? I can't believe the time went by so fast. I thought eight weeks felt like two years when we first started. I was like, oh, we've got so much time. We're going to do so much. And we have done a lot, but the time has really flown by. So I am just kind of like now thinking about how do I make the most of the last few weeks? and just make sure that we check all the boxes that we set out to check in the beginning. And then have a plan from there in terms of continuing the work in a productive and you know exciting way. Yeah, one of the like sort of North Star outcome for us in the incubator is to give the founder confidence in what they're doing and their path. The confidence in that vision, and then enough confidence to articulate it consistently to the folks they need to sort of bring along with them. So what I'm like really looking forward to in the next couple of weeks is honing that story for Ashley. Like, what's your story? What's your why? What's your how? What's your when? And how to make sure that story is just easy to communicate. I mean, already, Ashley, like up top of this exact live stream where you articulated sort of like what Avid First is doing, I think 
I feel better and better about that articulation, given what we know. It feels really good. It feels solid. And as we're going, we're just as skeptical as anyone else, right? But we're trying to anticipate what folks, external stakeholders broadly defined, what their misgivings are going to be. And we're compiling a kind of list of frequently asked questions about what Avid First is doing, like why 529s, why next-gen consumers, etc. Just so that that story is so internalized that like you can't really be taken off guard necessarily. I mean, you want to be open to new questions and new ideas. That's not what I'm saying, but just basically like being able to thoroughly and deeply at the drop of a hat to sort of pitch this to your dentist while they're cleaning your teeth, you know, like that kind of conviction and like the solidity of the narrative is really what we're, we're going for in the next few weeks. And I, th- I think we're well on our way there. We have all the pieces. It's about putting it together coherently, I think at this point. It's really exciting though. Like I do feel like we're really zeroing in on a valuable lens on college saving and spending that I think is the market is really ripe for. So it's exciting. Yeah, it's been great to see all the progress. We have a comment that I just noticed, not a question, but I wanted to call it out because it was um, related to what you were talking about a few minutes ago. Jordan Kieran said, they totally agree. We had the same epiphany slash pivot this summer. We went from direct to consumer to an enterprise model, try to zoom out with a systems thinking lens and it will help with a clearer path and tell your story. Yeah, that's awesome. There are no other questions from the audience and it seems like maybe there's still a little bit of a lag. So (laughs) we can wrap up. Um, If anybody has questions after this, feel free to comment. We'll be, you know, checking out the posts on LinkedIn and YouTube and we can follow up there. You can always, like I said, come and follow along, Uh, check out our robot.com incubator site. You can both apply to the next incubator session and Sign up to hear from us in our nuclear newsletter. We write about progress on our blog as well. So thoughtbot.com slash blog. There's all kinds of ways to find us and Ashley talking about the work that we're doing. So please follow along. Anyone out there who's wondering, am I right for the incubator? Just apply. It's really like nothing is too early. If it's just an idea you've been kicking around that's born of your industry experience or your personal experience. The application process is really lightweight. This is not going to take you days to fill out this application. We've heard from folks that even filling out the application is the first thing they ever did with regard to the idea helped solidify it and solidify their thinking for them. So just go apply. You got something, you got an idea for an app. You see a growing market out there and you feel like it's underserved with software. Just holler at us. We'd love to hear it. Apply. It's fun. (laughs) Yeah. Thanks everybody for tuning in. Thanks, Jordan and Ashley, for participating. See you again in a couple of weeks. Yes. Yeah. It'll be the last week, so we'll have things to say, no doubt. Yes. Tune in. It'll be a good time. All right. Thanks, everybody. Did you know ThoughtBot has a referral program? If you introduce us to someone looking for a design or development partner, we will compensate you if they decide to work with us. More info on our website at tbot.io slash referral, or you can email us at referrals at thoughtbot.com with any questions.